You are listening to episode 69 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We're back talking about games that we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and today we jack into the Inflation Deflation Challenge. All right, well, uh, dude, this week... We've been three weeks of uh, random episodes that we released. I think we did a D&D episode, a kart racing episode, and then our favorite video game moments in history, which was a lot of fun, by the way. And uh, let us know what episode you liked the most. It was a lot of fun for us to be able to kind of change the formula up a little bit and uh, try some new stuff. And if you want to hear more of that new stuff, well, we'll leave town eventually. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I was out of town for two and a half weeks or so so ryan and i pre-recorded a bunch of stuff so that's why you didn't see any crazy news and we had a lot of fun doing those episodes we should probably do those more often even if we don't leave town we'll like, mix that was it just up fun yeah so it's pretty cool um i know a few people actually commented on that uh D one that we did uh really fun episode because other people are doing D campaigns outside of their gaming their video games and they had a lot of fun with it and i know we got a lot of great engagement from the piece of you know our favorite moments in gaming history like what's that one standout moment that kind of sticks in your mind as your your memory your core memory of gaming so i think that was really cool really got a lot of people interested and we'll, we'll see how it goes from here on out so i'll let you start because i've had vacation for several weeks so i would hope that you've had at least a half pickup and by half like maybe a 99 cent download or a free download, anything along those lines. So are, are you searching? I uh, I'm double checking that I don't have any app games that I forgot I downloaded. Did you download the PlayStation games in a month? Sure did not. Well, I think you have I, to download. Uh, I haven't by, gotten like, anything. It's been three weeks and I haven't gotten any new games. And uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, also. I'm a huge disappointment because I still have not beat Final Fantasy 12 and now it's been like almost three weeks since the last time I played it and literally all I have to do is fight the final three bosses like Shame. it's two pages. Shame. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, so. All right, so, hold, so hold on. So you could tell the people what you play but I do want to let you know something which is interesting because I don't think you knew this. Cartridge Club uh, who you can find on Facebook and Twitter and everything else they do a game of the month. Okay. And their game of the month for February, you actually played and beat. Bloodborne. I did not beat it yet. Okay, well, so, Cartridge Club folks, he's close. He'll yeah, get there. So I I do intend to beat it. I There's a deliberate reason I didn't beat it. Uh, there's a deliberate reason I started playing it. John is a big fan of the From Software games. I've only played a little bit of Dark Souls 2. So I've been watching the uh, Beard Bros, the Super Beard Brothers, uh, playing Bloodborne for a long time now. And then I kind of was like, you know what? I finally think that I'm ready to play this game. And uh, not going into it blind, I feel like gave me a lot of advantage. But I did not think the game was that hard. Like, I one-shot at least three bosses. Well, not one-shot. as Not one-shot as well, a one-hit, guys. One take. One take. Yeah, yeah. so one try. Yeah, like I beat Murgo's Wet Nurse just first try off the bat. And it just... I felt like every time I needed to be aggressive, be it always aggressive. worked out. Yeah, it always yeah. worked out for me. Like every time I was losing, I was playing defensively. And Father Gascoigne gave me the most trouble early on. And I was reading that he's kind of that wall at the beginning that you have to get used to. But it was it, once I started just getting in there instead of trying to back away, I did. A skill build using the whip sword, the whip cane. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, so I used that forever, and then I was finally like, I don't know if I'm actually going to play this game again, so I might as well try other stuff because I felt kind of dumb getting, like, I think I started messing around with other weapons around maybe the Lost Forest the Lost Woods, that's like a great place. I did a lot of grinding there for like shards, bloodstone shards and stuff. But I started to mess around with the Blades of Mercy. I tried out Ludwig's Holy Blade. I did not like that one. Oh, dude, that's my favorite. Yeah, I got the, I just got the Chikakne, mm -hmm. the Katana. Yeah. But my, that was the last thing. Like, I had to grind out like six levels just to get my blood tinge high enough 
to be able to even use that weapon. But, you know, it just wasn't really... It didn't take me long. It took me, like, maybe a half hour to grind out those extra six levels. And it's still, like, a ton of blood because I'm at, like, level 95 or something. Dude, I put so many hours into that game. I did chalice dungeons. I did bosses with other people See, to grind out. I almost think I would go back and play it again just to try to get some weapons earlier and try other weapons out. But the problem is I'm just not going to pay the 20 bucks for the DLC. I was hoping you had it, but you know, you said that there was no physical release of the game with the DLC included I on it. I think only I want to say a PAL version mm -hmm. came out with like the DLC included. I, I don't believe there's a physical copy outside of that. In the US, I don't think there's a physical copy. Yeah. So, so that kind of sucks. So maybe, you know, down the road if I ever do decide to replay it, that'll give me something else to look forward to. But I gotta wrap up these other games and jump on Persona and then we've been talking a lot since uh yesterday <laughs> about this but i think that uh after i wrap up final fantasy 12 and i still have Link's awakening which is just adorable and it's super fun to kind of sit down and i'm just kind of playing it for like 10 20 minutes at a time because i don't really have anything else in my gamefly queue that i'm really ready to pick up i know it could go in your gamefly queue well you already have it I'll just borrow yours. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, John really is encouraging me to play Sekiro. And after watching tons of Vati Vidya stuff on all the Souls games and Bloodborne and, you know, Sekiro, it's, uh, it's got me interested to play that. And I'm also super stoked for Elden Ring now, which I didn't care less about three weeks ago. Yeah, right? Dude, Sekiro is the best best souls game out there I don't, I don't care what people say you can trash me all you want sekiro is amazing it is truly the best one the combat system is by far like you can't even compare it like it's yeah, fantastic it looks awesome and it's it's one of those things that i think that uh i would encourage just about anybody that likes you know i guess action games or anybody who's like really into that kind of Lovecraftian theme like if you haven't played Bloodborne definitely play it don't let the you know prepare to die souls moniker kind of scare you off and the get good thing 90% of the stuff in this game as long as you just run up to it and hit the right attack as long as you put them in hit stun just mash and you'll kill it before it even gets a chance to retaliate there's only like two or three enemies in the whole game besides the bosses that you can't just walk up to and smash and move on and smash the next one. Like once I figured that out, it just became a, a game of like, okay, which weapon's going to have the most damage. What did you think of those butcher guys that had like the big, like I think it was an ax or something. The executioners. Yeah. The executioners. So the one that was down at the end of the first like road when yeah. you get to Yarnum. So uh -huh. that one, I never fought. What? I never fought that one. Cause it killed the shit out of me. The first few times I fought it. Uh -huh. So I just avoided it. I mean, it took me a long time to feel comfortable to be able to get just through Yarnum. Yeah. So, but like once I got to Yargul and other places that had the executioners, I was really able to kind of figure out exactly what their pattern was. And I didn't even get very good at pairing in the game either. There's only a few things that i ever really felt like using the parry against did you never parry a boss at any point i mean a couple times but for the most part it's just like aggression and getting in and out and just doing a couple hits like i don't have a giant stamina bar mm -hmm. in the game because i really spread my skills out so that i could try more stuff like i think i got uh, whatever the minimum for the Chicagne is, I think it's like 12. So I put like six levels in that. I think I put like 10 or 12 levels into arcane so that I could use the Tonitrus and the, uh, the wolf's roar mm -hmm. item. I thought that was pretty cool. I, dude, I, I really want to play that game again. It was just so, so good. Yeah, like, it really is. I could see why people get really into the replayability because if you can, if you could sequence break some stuff and get some things early, it could totally change the way you play the game. And like, I would love to try just using like the saw cleaver because I never used it. I use it a little bit, but not too much. 
it, it was good. Um, I honestly would want to probably play that game again. But when you run into a situation where you have this many games... Yeah, replaying just, something, yeah. it has to be really high on your list if you're going to take the time to replay it and neglect and one I, of the other hundreds that you have lying around. Yeah, and I know other collectors will like sit back and replay games and they truly enjoy that. I just want to experience all that I can with these. And that's really why I enjoy like our inflation deflations because like it gives me an opportunity to play like 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half yeah, of a game. Yeah, at least to say you tried it. Yeah, to say that I gave it a shot. And it's kind of like that demo, you know, mentality, right? Like we could demo a game, we check it out. We're like, yeah, this was pretty cool. It's worth trying again. Yeah, and like I still want to pick up and play Parasite Eve. Yeah, for sure, dude. Because like, I had a really fun time yeah. playing that. And that hour or so we played of it, like, you totally understand, like, okay, cool, this game is worth giving it a shot. You recently got a uh, second light gun, didn't you? No, I need to get a second one. So I have... No, do I? I have the one up there right now. Well, I, I thought you said that you you got another one no, I a need few to. weeks ago. No, no, when no. Did I, no, not that I recall. Hmm. Um, My mistake. No. But, but we'll go back to... That wasn't Vampire Night. It was, was it? Vampire Night, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do need to play that. Um, okay, so you do need to download the PlayStation games because I think it's uh, Sims 4, Bioshock Collection. I already have the Bioshock Collection. Well, then download Sims 4. And uh, there was Sims? one other. Sims 4, yeah. I hate the Sims. Well, there's something else on there, too. Oh, there's some other game. I forget the name of it. I don't know. What? A, at least you'll get a game pickup. You could get three game pickups Ugh. right off the bat. <laughs> All right, so my pickups this week, and I did all of these, by the way, while I was in New Zealand, which is, well, no, not all of them. I, I lied. The uh, two PS4 games, I didn't. So before I left, and I couldn't really say new pickup on, you know, episode 68, I picked up Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise, and I picked up the Bard's Tale Director's Cut. I think it's Bard's Tale 4. Yeah. And this is based off the older series, you know, not the Bard's Tale we all think of that's on Xbox and PS2 the comedic type thing. Uh, this is a Bard's Tale that's been out since like, I think the 80s, if yeah. I'm correct. And they do have a collection of the other three that I need to pick up. And I think it's on PS4. Hmm. So other games I picked up, Final Fantasy Chocobo Tales on the three, is it a 3DS or DS? Oh, it is just DS. It's a DS. I'm just so used to Ryan, writing 3DS. Ryan's trying to confuse me here, but I, I knew that wasn't a 3DS game. So... That one I picked up primarily because my wife is playing a lot of Final Fantasy games here and there. And she was like, I need to know what all the spinoffs are. And it was like 10 bucks. You know, like, There's why not? so many. So many spinoffs. And she wants to play every Final Fantasy game. And that's a Final Fantasy game. So she wants to play it. And the other one I got was the Toki Retro Collector Edition. So it's it's kind of like a platformer game with, I think it's an ape. And he shoots things out of his mouth. And so the did you see what's on the back of it? Yeah, it's cool. It comes with like a little cardboard stand that you put together and your switch slots into to make it look like a yeah. like arcade cabinet. And so that's actually a GameStop exclusive. Yeah, that's so a fun thing. That's the really cool thing about that is it's only ex it's exclusive to GameStop. It was like I think twenty six bucks <clears throat> for a sealed copy. Used to sell for I think forty or fifty when it okay. first came out. And why not? I mean, it's one of those titles that you look at it now. It's super cheap. It's on a Nintendo console. It's got this crazy cool like arcade thing. It's sealed. Why would I not pick that up for that price point? Yeah. Like, it's no brainer. So I grabbed that as well. And currently playing. So since my trip back, I have been unpacking, getting ready for work. And then we decided, because we love New Zealand so much, we needed to rewatch the entire Hobbit Extended or extended Editions. Yeah, that must have taken some time. Yeah, that took some time. That was three hours every single day, and I loved every single moment of it. So that was a blast. And I didn't get to play any games. Uh, however, from a gaming perspective, okay, you enjoy The Witcher, correct? Yeah, we really like The Witcher. Okay, so I finished reading the first book. And I am on the second book now. And I think the second book is uh, something sort of Destiny, I want to say. I need to look at it. So if you're kind of thinking of the TV show and the relation on that and the game, apparently uh, from articles I've read, because I haven't actually played the games yet. Well, and the books, I think, take place before the games. So the books, the first book is kind of like a prequel type series. And if you watch the show... So anybody who hasn't seen the show, check it out. Witcher is actually pretty awesome. The first book pretty much is the show. 
and it's a combination of the second book I'm reading now. So the first one's like little short stories <clears throat> that kind <throat> of cover like, you know, some of them three, four chapters a piece that cover a Witcher or Geralt's adventures, uh, you know, through his world. And every single episode in the show is like a short story within the Does it the have book. the same kind of overarching plot that yeah. happened in the first season? Uh, kind of. So like, I, I, spoiler alert, I guess, for people. Same kingdom? Yeah, same kingdom and everything. Some things are a little different. So like the scene with, um, uh, I forget the, the queen's name offhand. Um, but basically like, you know that whole scene, are you, you finish the show, right? Yeah. Okay, you know when... Um, I think it's Joskier. He says, hey, we're going to go to this party with all this royalty, and I want you there as my backup. Yeah. You know, that's not the case. So in the show, the queen, or in the book, the queen has actually hired him or wants to hire Geralt to complete a task while there. So, like, in the show, if you recall, she's like, hey, you know, Witcher and everything. And then she calls Mort and says, hey, come sit over by me. Yeah. That's not the case. Like, from the very get-go he's with her the mm. entire time and they're talking and he's like, look, I'm not a hired thug yeah, and everything yeah. else. And so then after that, it kind of breaks down. Like, um, I think it's Pavetta is her name. That's the, uh, or is Pavetta the queen? I forget, man. I can't it, remember. Dude, I, I read through, I think so quick. Uh, so you have the princess and then you have, uh, the porcupine guy. I forget his name. They kind of get together. And it's a whole scene over again, just in book form. So I'd say it's super close to that. And from what I've heard, the games themselves are also really close to the novels. So I'm stoked, dude. Like, I'm going to read through this. I'm going to watch a show, and then I'm going to totally play the games of Witcher at some point in time. It is so good. See, I've not played any of the Witcher games either, and I think that I'm going to wait because uh, Cyberpunk comes out pretty soon too, and that's CD Projekt Red who did The Witcher. So I think I'm going to make that my first CD Projekt Red game, and then I'll be able to go back and appreciate, oh, wow, I see how they really pulled this from The Witcher. Yeah, that, that'll be pretty cool, man. And are you going to Gamefly that? I'm going to try. I should probably get that in my queue. Like, I'm not really that attached to Link's Awakening, so maybe if I don't beat that before that comes out, I can just... Delete all of my queue, only put Cyberpunk in my queue, and, and never see if a, I can get it. And then never get a game for like a month. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Hold indefinitely. So I had mentioned New Zealand, and this kind of jumps into our, our next piece here, right? So we're going to be talking about GameStop 2.0, and it's uh, really the store that we've always wanted as a team. But given all of their issues that they've had in the last, you know, couple of years, does that really help us, and does that really want us to go back to them? So... During my time in New Zealand, I went ahead and checked out an EB Games because I haven't been in EB Games in years. And right. I happen to have them. So the layout, obviously, very similar to a GameStop. You know, you walk into the location, you've got your shelves and whatnot. What was really interesting, uh, outside of just a price point, they had multiple six-foot tables when you walked in. And they had games laid out. And those were like their sale games, ones that they wanted gone like right away. They also had boxes of PlayStation 2 games and, or not PlayStation 2, sorry, PlayStation 3 games, uh, chilling out in this like center area. So you had like this counter, okay? So picture like a two, no, three by three countertop and then it had like cabinets underneath on both sides, okay? And on top of that, they had boxes with just tons and tons of PlayStation 3 games, all right? All of them were actually decently priced. And then um, underneath in this cabinet were more boxes of like, playstation 3 and xbox 360 games well, that you could just fiddle through and it's funny because you sent me like a picture with some prices it is ridiculous dude and it's funny just because like the the exchange rate between here and there because they were like 120 bucks and 120 new zealand yeah so like red dead redemption i think was like 70 i want to say or 60 there's a picture on our instagram that you could check out so at the game deflators for instagram and this particular game, it was a Yakuza 6, I want to say, and it was 120 New Zealand. Even with the exchange rate, you're looking at like 90 bucks, I want to say, 92 roughly. Yeah, for I know this game. Some countries, it's, it's definitely more expensive. And, you know, we've got a lot of international listeners. Tell us what a new game costs you at uh, anywhere you can find us. Where can you find us, John? Uh, on Twitter is at Game Deflators. I just said Instagram at the Game Deflators. Facebook the game deflators and then uh, of course you can listen to us on all of our wonderful podcast uh 
applications out Leave there. Leave us a five-star review on any of those wonderful apps that you may enjoy. But only five stars. Only five stars. So, uh, in terms Which of... Which inflates to, like, at least 15 stars in New Zealand. Oh, easily. Easily yeah. 15 stars in New Zealand. So, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, it was crazy, dude. Like, and nothing on on that economy or anything like that but like that was crazy like 120 for a game that here in the states you're looking at you know maybe 60 for that game like it wasn't even the comparison wasn't even close so yeah i'm kind of curious like i will never again complain about the price of games ever again Mm -hmm. like at that point just seeing what it costs them to get a game and then the lack of game stores too so like that was auckland i think they might have had like two game stops if i'm correct they had some like uh, D&D stores and stuff so I don't know if maybe they have video games in there second hand and I didn't get to see any retro stores while I was there uh, but it was really interesting to see a high price point it makes me wonder like how the whole country is affected from gaming and like how much gaming do they actually do there given how much it cost yeah it's interesting yeah it's it's really interesting too like when I went to Japan because that's where like you know games are from it's a totally opposite there They've got a million things, and they're all really cheap and in super perfect condition, and finding retro stuff is super easy. It's it's weird, like, how everybody's gaming is so different, but uh, GameStop is trying to bring back their uh, reputation. We've talked about GameStop a bunch of times in the past. We've talked good GameStop. We've talked bad GameStop, and... The new GameStop 2.0 is out. Uh, there's some stores in Oklahoma that have been rebranded as the GameStop 2.0. And I really like what I see here. They've they've opened it up. They've put in, I think it's uh, 36 gaming stations that have access to Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and Switch games. They still sell and have used games there. They also have set up a uh, front area with uh, tabletop gaming uh, stuff, like your basic Dungeons & Dragons books and some dice, a place to sit down and play with uh, tables and comfortable chairs. It really seems like they're trying to take away all of this cynical, money-grabbing, throwing pop vinyl in your face... Uh, kind of thing that we've all grown accustomed to and hate because I know that we've talked about before I used to love going to GameStop and you know I agree with uh, who who wrote this one go back over to our uh... I got it right here it's a uh, Sergio Solorzano Solorzano so and that's at uh, the gamer we'll uh, put up links to all of our articles as we always do but um, I agree that in today's day and age where people, you know, don't really get together to game online. Uh, he says later in the article that, like, you know, the kids will get together to play basketball or watch a movie, but if they want to play Fortnite, they got to get a ride home. So this provides one of those spaces. Like, I don't know if you ever went to, like, LAN places where they had, like, all the PCs hooked up. Yeah. You know, I've only been to a few of those, and it's cool to be able to go to a place with your friends and hang out and do that and i think that i would definitely go to one of these if it was the place nearby my house like i would prefer to go there to buy a game than to go to you know walmart or target or best buy just because i think the atmosphere in there sounds fun well it's always you know what you think about right when you want to play or when you want to buy a new game is do the people know what they're talking about? You can go to Walmart and say, hey, uh, can you pick up that Yoshi game for me? And half the time they're like, oh, which one? And they're like, look, is this one right here? No, no, that's not what I want. Like, they're not as, you know, engaged with the gaming community and what's going on versus, you know, every, all a little bit of crap that we give GameStop. At the same time, they do have, like, as a corporation, yeah, they suck, but their employees are actually knowledgeable. And half the time you go in there and they're trying to push for, you know, hey, have you gotten your power up rewards and all this yeah. other stuff? You know, they're only doing that because that's a corporate push to yeah. get that stuff done. They're so, like, required to be that pushy, and it sucks for them because they're all, you know, genuinely passionate people that got a job that, you know, kind of sucks. But it's, you know, if you're going to get a sucky job, might as well be at least related to something you like. Yeah, exactly. So I do like the looks this of this. This would be a fun place to work at 
as opposed to the way GameStop is now, yeah. this GameStop 2.0 sounds like a fun place to work. Exactly. Like, I think this looks pretty cool. It kind of gives that vibe of like uh, the mom and pop shops in a yeah. sense, but it's more of an upscale, you know, quality it's atmosphere. It's still yeah. corporate. Like you're not going to. They also talk in the article, um, you know, people who go to their local comic shop for Friday night D&D. They're not going to abandon that to no. go to a chain that's trying to give themselves a positive faith lift. I mean, that's what's happening here. But, you know, for new people that don't have a place or just as a better location to go to for those who already go there, I would prefer to go to this GameStop than the current one just because it would be more comfortable and fun to go to. But this, I think, will really catch on in dying malls in America. Yeah, which would actually be pretty cool because we've got, you know, the mall right up here uh, down the street from me. And it's it's okay, you know, but you go in that GameStop and if you look at, I was talking to my wife about this the other day because we are going in, this particular GameStop absolutely sucks with their, like, amount of 3DS games they have. But when we went in there... Are they just down to that, like, glass flat case? Not even that, dude. They don't even have the glass flat case of loose games. They just have, like... 10 games total for 3ds and that was their selection on like an end cap because yeah. that's how they used to have vita that was You'd it. go in and the vita there'd be like eight vita games well some stores have like you know 40 50 and then others have none but this one in particular 10 3ds games throughout the entire store not a single ds game it was crazy how how few games they had the ps3 sections minimal mm -hmm. um it, it's just it sucks but uh, going in there, like we looked at the different stores, there's like a piano store and there's like a music store next to it. And there's some random like picture frame store and a mattress store and like secondhand furniture store. Those are the stores that are in that mall right now. There's a reason that mall is not successful and it's going downhill. And it's specifically because they're allowing tenants in there just to try and get any tenant in there. And it's not drawing people to that location. That GameStop will probably be a GameStop that closes because yeah. there's nothing drawing people to it now. I mean, I don't know what it's like where everybody else lives, but we have a mall with a, a Legoland attachment. We have a mall. And that with, one's actually a good mall. That's not a bad mall. Yeah, we have a mall with a, a aquarium that John used to work at. Well, that's also the Legoland one. Yeah, attached yeah. to it. We have a mall that just opened up like a giant Crayola thing. Like, not just like a Crayola store, but like a Crayola... Crayola, what do they call it? Like Imagination the Factory Crayola or something? experience, I think. Yeah. So they're really trying all this gimmicky stuff. There's a store in there that has those big inflatable balls you get into and run around. But those are actually working. Like, And they have but a they, VR place in there, too. They're trying to bring in things that are going to take you into the mall and keep you there. Because people don't, you know, I guess maybe people are just disenfranchised with years of going to the mall and walking around. Like, I know that... I don't want to go to the mall unless I have to, because when I was in high school, I spent way too much time at the mall. Yeah, I go to the mall specifically because <clears throat> there's a game I want to get or there's an item I want to get. And I know it's at that shopping, mall. Christmas or, or food days or some sort of food that happens to be in that mall. They closed the McDonald's at the mall. I've never seen a McDonald's close in my whole life. Well, they might close a McDonald's. How is McDonald's not successful? They could have potentially moved it within the mall. Or no, plan it's on. closed. Really? Just done for like a year and a half now. Huh. Maybe two years. Interesting. Yeah, a closed Wait, McDonald's. is that the one by you? Chandler. Oh, Chandler. Okay. Yeah. They closed McDonald's in there? Oh, yeah. They closed the Kona Grill, too. Well, Kona has been closing in general. But McDonald's, that's interesting. It, it might just be the movement of anti-McDonald's. Plus, there's a lot of food options in that mall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, outside of food, back to gaming. Uh, GameStop 2.0 looks pretty sweet. I would visit one of these stores. I would check it out. And I did find this interesting within the article. It, uh, it specifically says Fortnite Friday for kids, D&D &D for dad. You do realize what that's saying about us? That Ryan, we're old, right? Okay. Oh, there was one quote in here that I really liked. Uh, pull up the. Oh, did you? Yeah, you the put no, in your, yeah in, I copied okay. it. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, GameStop CCO Frank Hamlin. And I really like this quote. Uh, he likes in, uh, it to hype given to E3. I use this incredibly politically, sorry, I politically use this incredibly politically incorrectly, he told us. But if E3 is the Vatican, why is GameStop not the local church? And Damn. I just think that's such a, a great corporate rep quote. Like, you know, people love going to E3. Why don't they love going to GameStop? Well, when you're giving 25 cents on the dollar and that's being generous, 
on games, there's a reason people don't go there. They don't want to trade in games to you. And then, you know, it, to go back to the staff, though, while the staff are great, you have your staff pushing, you know, all of this corporate messaging to try and boost up your sales. You've completely gone away from what was gaming into collectibles and the whole Think Geek thing. Yeah. They completely deviated from what GameStop was for everybody. I mean, it used to be that way for me. Like, I still get excited for E3 every year, but I used to go to GameStop at least once a week and pray to games. Yeah, same here. If they had demo stations, I could play demos. They don't have that anymore. I know. Oh, so. man, I played so much of that first desert level of call of duty 2 on xbox 3 or uh, yeah that was xbox 360 it was the launch title now there are a few games up that do have demo stations because i've seen them but it's not consistent yeah across all of them i think um tempe marketplace the GameStop out there i want to say they have two demo kiosks right when you walk in and then they have a 3ds one they might still have it. i don't know they have a 3ds one in the back dude i don't know last time i went into that one they had a google home station really yeah it was just like in the middle there was a table and it was just well here's all the google home products i guess we might as well sell those too again deviating from what they do so anyways that's enough GameStop for today let's move on to uh to our next article right so uh i feel like we should have made this our final article maybe but i'm just gonna say okay google what is the best final fantasy uh, of all time right boop boop Final Fantasy X, voted Best Final Fantasy by Japanese fans in massive survey. Cloud is best character. That was perfect. Absolutely loved it. So uh, I don't see any notes on here. I'm gonna this is op- a Twinfinite article by Giuseppe Nelva, and there was a giant vote in Japan for the uh, Best Final Fantasy. Breaking down these numbers, it's actually pretty good. So you had 400,000... 600 or er, 468 468,654 <laughs> yes. fans. Gosh, I can't fans. number today. Uh, Ryan is not good at math. You you break down these numbers. All right, fine. I am the numbers guy here on this podcast. So, uh voters were pretty evenly split. 50.8% men, we'll say 51, and uh 49% women. So, that's interesting too, just the amount of female fans that are out there out of that. Uh 4.7% of respondents were 19 years old or younger, which is interesting. It's the second um, smallest category is people 19 and under. Well, it doesn't surprise me though. So 27.3% were 20 to 29, which is right below our age obviously. And if you think about it, how many 21 and 22 year olds grew up playing Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8 VIII and 9 VIII and 10? Not a lot of them. I so, guess, yeah, because and then look at this the one of the larger numbers though. So forty four point five percent the were, largest bracket, yeah, thirty to thirty nine, which is our age bracket, and then you've got uh, forty to forty nine were three point six percent, and fifty to fifty nine were a half percent. Um, actually, no, that was over sixty. Yeah, I mixed it up. So three point six were between fifty and fifty nine, and then you had uh, half a percent for over sixty. Which I really like this. Those over sixty gamers, man. Yeah, they got they got a good you know chunk of people here doing this survey and it's really interesting i would like to see maybe you know another list that breaks this down in terms of like which age brackets voted for what you know so i pulled up on my phone it's a little easier to read than than this one but for anybody out there uh that's going to complain you know final fantasy 7 fanboys looking at you about you know who won here you're looking at the Japanese fan base, almost 500,000 people voting and not, oh, I don't know about overwhelmingly, but you know, obviously the majority voted final fantasy 10 being the best final fantasy. And I totally agree. And yeah, exactly. And I think that a lot of times, especially with long running games like these and the tales series and any big JRPG historical franchise like that, you're probably going to be pretty predisposed to, you know, some of the first titles you play, you're probably not going to, you know, over time be able to appreciate all of them in the same level, depending on when you played them. Like Final Fantasy X was like really the first one I sank my teeth into. And, you know, launching on the PS2, it was just that it was that same thing that Final Fantasy VII did, that catching lightning in a bottle of upgrading graphics and upgrading to Final Fantasy X from nine was just so big and eye-catching and beautiful that you know it really engrossed people's imaginations and made them say you know this is what final fantasy is to me and final fantasy 6 is great 
But if your first Final Fantasy was 10, it's going to be hard to take those sprites, yeah. you know, as seriously. Yeah, and I think my first was 8, if I'm correct. And I jumped all back and forth and then played uh, Final Fantasy, uh, The Legend or whatever, or Legend Final Fantasy. Uh, you know, played Mystic Quest years ago. So all these different games I played. How many games were on this list? Totally? So that's why I got on my phone. Uh, so this one had uh, 30, it looks like. Uh, games yeah so I, I got an accurate one here oh, okay. so 30 games and we're looking at things like final fantasy record keepers on here uh, the first final fantasy tactics advance which is actually i think a very underrated game it's a fantastic game oh final fantasy tactics advance was great you know what i can't believe i can't believe that final fantasy type o hit 16 on this final fantasy typo beat out like some pretty you know nominal titles i think and i just can't believe that because the only reason anybody bought that was for the final fantasy 15 demo as yeah. far as i know i like actually need to buy that one still so yeah that's all i mean we're looking at 30 games from all types of life of final fantasy so this isn't a matter of like looking at final fantasy 1 through 15 and saying which is the best one oh why isn't 7 better i mean we're talking a lot of final fantasy games out there to split up that vote uh so boss and summons uh the number one boss and summon uh you know it's the same category it's gotta be bahamut no actually it's knights of the round from final oh. fantasy 7 uh so that was interesting um the next one that we had was favorite character this one's a no-brainer cloud you know cloud was obviously the best character in here followed by yuna though oddly enough yeah i mean yuna's killer yeah, I mean, well, when you completely max out her sphere gun, you're dealing 99,000 damage like I have. Well, yeah. But I mean, she's a great character she in is. her story. Yeah, I and I would argue that she has more character than Cloud does because Cloud doesn't talk. Yeah, that's actually very true. <laughs> but you know what? I would go as far as Waka. Waka was fun. Waka Waka. <laughs> and uh, music wise, I I'll say I was a little shocked on this. Um because I expected One Winged Angel to be number one, it's actually uh, at Xanarkand. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, th that's a great one. That is a fantastic uh, musical piece. And that whole, honestly, that whole game had some of the best musical scores of any Final Fantasy. Oh. By far. Gosh, the, the Cloister of Trials music just forever in my head. Oh, dude. Yeah, I know. Like, if you have not played Final Fantasy X out there, You've got to play it. I mean, they've got tons of remasters on like PS3, HD remake or not HD remakes, but HD upgrades on PS4. And it's, it's always bundled with 10-2, exactly. which is an okay game. But, yeah. you know, like, oh, man, I really want to play those on on Vita, but that's why I got that persona I got to get to. So uh, let, let's kind of go into this on what we agree, what we don't agree. All uh, right. Series, uh, your top two Final Fantasy series that you've played. So my top two games are definitely Final Fantasy X, and I mean, God, it might as well be seven because all of them, all of them are so at different parts for me. I've never, I'm, I don't think I've ever actually beaten a mainline Final Fantasy game, but I have beaten some of the other ones a little bit here, there, like uh, Tactics Advance was really awesome. Yeah. But, man, I think that it's got to be 10 and 7. I mean, 15's really cool, but I didn't get that, you know, I don't even know if I got halfway through 15. 9's really cool, but uh, I'm almost done with 12. And that one's all right. Yeah. It's okay. It's cool. I like what it does different, but, I mean, it's just 10 and 7 are so impactful as games that I... I can't imagine picking anyone over those two. So I'd say my top we'll two. We'll see what happens with 7 Remake, though. Yeah, that actually looks pretty that good. That comes out in like a few weeks now. I'm not it? paying 60 bucks for a part one, though. I will not do that. It's just, I'll wait. Eight, yeah. I'll wait eight years to play that game. Well, I mean, we've seen what happened with uh, all of the different Kingdom Hearts, and this is still square, so. Yeah, exactly. So maybe 20 years from now. Right. Uh, so my tops would be Final Fantasy X and actually Final Fantasy VIII. Okay. Uh, so eight, I have a, I mean, before I get crapped all over on this one, uh, Final Fantasy VIII, I felt, had a really cool, like, limit break system. Uh, well, I forget what they called it in that one. 
but I, I liked it. And then the overall building of your character was based off of the drawing of spells. So for Squall, for example, if you wanted to get like crazy damage, you would take like the Ultima spell and attach it to your ultimate weapon as an, you know, not an upgrade, but to help kind of charge it up. Dude, I had like, I think it was Irvine or Irving, uh, Squall, and it was Zell were my final characters for that game. And I completely demolished Ultimessia yeah. uh, in that game. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed playing eight. I have memories of it because one of my best friends is a, you know, in elementary school had it. And so he and I, when we do sleepovers and stuff, would just play Final Fantasy VIII and Mortal Kombat, Sub-Zero for some reason. <laughs> and uh, Twisted Metal, that's actually what got me in the Twisted oh, Metal Twisted franchise. Metal. So a lot of cool memories there. And speaking of memories, go check out episode 68. You'll have a blast with that. And yeah, dude, it was great. And in 10, of course... I've beaten three times. Yeah. Like, and a hundred plus hours each of those three times. Man, that's taken a lot of time from other games on your shelf. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> that's like six games right there, six RPGs that have been spent on just 10. And right. I would I would totally play 10 again. Yeah. What's our next category? Our next category, we'll say, is uh, Boston Summon, because that's what I said. Um, they had uh, Knights of the Round, obviously, and Kefka from Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> What would you say is your top two summons? Mm, top two. Well, summon and boss. Yeah, you can do summon and boss. Yeah. I I always thought that uh, the cutscene where you're at the Blitzball tournament and Seymour summons Anima mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. That was pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that that was really cool. All the Final Fantasy t- X summons are awesome. Um, And then boss i think that um so anima would be your number one summon yeah i I think he's really cool give me a sec to think about the boss what what about you okay so for me i would say my favorite summon would have to be mage's sisters from final fantasy 10 the ability to control your summons uh, in that game was awesome, but Mage of Sisters pretty much like created a party for you, right? So you had an extra party that you'd go into battle with, and it was just fun, like being able to play those three characters and the process of getting those three as well. Um, I forget it was it the planes. It was like a Chocobo planes or something in ten. I don't remember the name of it, but oh, the the Com planes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had to go through all of that. And that's where you got like uh, an ultimate weapon for uh, you. You Titus. had to do all of the monster, the beast taming. Yeah, yeah, thing that, to dude, get the magic sisters. So right? much grinding. Like, if anybody out there is like in the middle of a game or plans on playing a game, the beast uh, capturing is by far your best friend. And once you get to Dawn Toneberry, you could pretty much level grind like crazy in that game. Like, you will run out of spheres to level up your characters. Um, so that whole process and that whole area was really cool. And it really kind of, that was when you play that game, that's kind of like, I think that midpoint really where you get there and you're like, okay, yeah, like this game is great. Like it just opens up and you're like, wow, this is actually fantastic. So that was probably my favorite summon. I would say my favorite boss, I kind of wanted to say Sephiroth, but when you look at it from an engagement standpoint within the entire game, Seymour by far yeah Seymour is awesome I think he is the best boss of any Final Fantasy uh the entire time I mean he's just manipulating you uh he you know obviously is trying to uh gain political exposure um he pretty much becomes a weapon himself it's just it's amazing like the entire process that he goes through his voice acting the voice actor for that was is was great and I would just say that his character development is phenomenal, by far one of the best of all time. Now, it does help that, you know, we had voice acting in that Final Fantasy and it was the first Final Fantasy that had like true like, you know, voices, like just straight out cut scenes with voices yeah. and whatnot. So I would say Seymour, but there's kind of that like, you know, it could have been somebody else, but all of that voice acting really kind of muddies things up. Yeah, I think that I'm uh, I'm gonna go with either the Ghost Train from Final Fantasy VI because everybody <laughs> loves that, and I think that's fun that you could suplex yeah. the Ghost Train. Yeah. Or maybe that I can't remember the name of it. I always like that boss in the mansion where it's like. Talking about seven. Yeah, it's like 
purple and orange, and sometimes you can't hit it with magic, and sometimes you can't hit it with physical. It's, it's been about 15 years since I played Final Fantasy VII. It, it's in the place where you get um, Vincent. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know where Vader, you're yeah. talking about. I know. To, I know the enemy you're talking about. I just haven't played this game in so long. Yeah, I haven't either. But I, I always thought that was a fun mechanic. I really like the, uh, the chocobo eater. How it can like push you off the cliff, and yes. you know it kind of plays out the story a little bit different in that part. There's been a lot of creative bosses, but, um. Uh, <clears throat> You know, most of them just don't really stand out as being that interesting. Like, especially, like, the Final Fantasy XII bosses. Like, man, I blew through all of those, and I barely remember any of them. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's see. Our next category here, uh, we'll say character. I can't even think of a boss from Final Fantasy XV except for, like, the one robot guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, characters. Who do you got? Um... Characters, my girl Yuna is awesome. I think that uh, I really like Barrett's character a lot. Um, I love the all the boys in Final Fantasy fifteen. Like especially if you go back and you watch the like prequel anime mm-hmm. that they made that shows how they all got to know each other. Oh man, that like I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Watch that and then watch the intro to Final Fantasy fifteen with the stand by me and it just all makes so much more sense that these are like the bros. Gotcha. Yeah, I need to I need to do that and play the DLC on that game. So for me, I would say my favorites are Sethroth, which now I get to do another boss here, right? So Sephiroth was one of my favorite characters. Uh, his entire just his ego, how he came to be, everything. It's just, it's great. Like, I, I love that character. And, of course, he has a, some of the best theme music of all time. So him and then I would say Jekt from 10. Yeah. Jekt was like your boat beach hobo who happened to be, like, amazing at Blitzball. Like it was, and that's another part of that game. That's oh, just Oren was great too. Oren was good. Like he had that kind of stoic, you know, what's your story? Yeah. That type of deal going on. Jekt was just like this obnoxious hobo guy that happened to go with, uh, was it Yuna's dad or something or and uh, Oren? Yeah. And Oren and th- that whole experience. So I would say Jekt number one for sure. And then Sephiroth, uh, for you, you said who on the characters? Oh, uh, Yuna or Barrett or I don't know. There's lots of great characters. It's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. All I'll right. go. I'll just go with my girl Yuna. All right, because right, she it. was number two on their list, and I find that you know strong, persuasive numbering. Music. So basically, best musical score. Uh, Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm. It really for 3ds. <laughs> okay. Because it's <laughs> it's a musical game that has all of the tracks from all of the it's Final cheating. Fantasies. It's, it's cheating. I don't think so. Fine. <laughs> all right. So I would say that Ad Zanarkin. Yeah, is definitely. Gonna, Beautiful. Number one on yeah. my list. And then uh, for me, it'd be One Winged Angel. You know, that's just... It's such an iconic song within the Final Fantasy franchise. It's used in Final Fantasy 15 in the car. Uh, it's used, obviously, in 7. And then it is also um, tied Let's into Kingdom forget- Hearts the battle musics oh yeah let's not forget like all of the uh the great iterations on the uh victory jingle well and how about theme songs you know uh-huh. like you have uh final fantasy 7's theme song when you uh just get to the menu yeah the menu theme is great on that so there's a lot of great musical scores out there oh, really oh the final fantasy 10 menu music's great too yeah that is pretty good so at the end of the day i look at this and you know, there's times where I look at Final Fantasy, I'm like, man, like, they just keep pumping these things out. But, dude, like, it's positive. Like, you have 500,000 fans that have voted for this. Tons of people talk about it all the time. The games are, like, they never really let you down for the most part outside of the side games. And they're just beautiful pieces of gaming art. You know, there's nothing like it. And there are tons of RPG titles out there. But I would say this is by far, you know the best franchise what's up are you looking at at this right here 
I, I'm I'm just I'm gonna be open with Ryan here and, and talking oh. the podcast and what he's looking for. I think I think that we should move on because we're going kind of long in the tooth here, and we should get on to the inflation deflation challenge. I was sir. Oh, you you don't want to do this article really quick? I'll spend one minute. I okay. promise. One minute. Okay. Uh, somebody out there, time me because it's gonna take longer than a minute. So Rockstar Games is updating its website. There's some mysterious new imagery that's going on right now. They had like this Oscar Android type thing hugging the Rockstar logo, and they've changed some colors as well on there. And it's uh, got people questioning, what are they doing? Rockstar in the past has been kind of silent, right, on how they announce their games, and it's not like this massive overexposure. You want to tease it out. E3 is yeah. still a few months away, folks. Exactly. I do a lot of teasing. Uh, they've done it over the years. So people are speculating, is it Grand Theft Auto 6? Because there's been rumors swirling around that. Or is it Bully Number 2? I haven't played I'd rather Bully. see a new IP. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. A new IP would be cool. But Bully 2 would be interesting, along with like a Bully remake. See, I feel like it's just been so long since Bully that, like, I don't know. I I feel like the idea of going back to that isn't going to yield as much great stuff. I mean, I don't know. It it really all depends on, you know, Rockstar's great about telling stories about characters. So, unless you come up with somebody who's really compelling that's like, what's the great story of this kid in high school? supposed to be what's he supposed to be going through like when bully came out i feel like things were a lot different than they are now and a lot of the you know humor and stuff rockstar may not back down from but do you really need like uh another one well another show that's or another game that's just going to be like gta well, see, Bully 2 is supposed to be his growth through maturity to turn into Leisure Suit Larry. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally different franchise. Okay, so we'll get out of that, but anybody that plays Rockstar games or enjoys a Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, all that good stuff, they're teasing something. Go check it out. Try and figure out what it is. And, of course, tweet us when you figure it out. Uh, we'll jump into the Inflation Deflation Challenge now. Uh, this week, we played Mega Man Network Transmission. I used to love the Mega Man. I think it was NT Warrior that was on the WB yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I never got to watch that. a whole lot of that show, but I do remember all of the character designs and and stuff about this. I remember reading about this game and the Game Boy Advanced game that accompanied it. At I the think same I had the GBA game. Yeah, well. and I remember always being interested, but never really taking that step to get involved because I did not have very much history with Mega Man because those games are hard. Yeah, they are pretty hard. Uh, this game, honestly, was kind of hard at times, but you have all these chips and whatnot that make it super easy. So uh, let, let's go into the background here, man. If, if you want to lead that off, you got a better view of the All right, TV so we me. have uh, developed by Arika, published by Capcom and ShowPro Entertainment, directed by Akira Kurabayashi and released in June of 2003. It's a action platforming rpg think your regular standard mega man but inside of an rpg slap on a nice looking cell shaded skin over it tweak your character designs a little bit and have a you know a super upbeat protagonist and his friends and you've basically got a recipe for this type of game now a lot of the reception on this was pretty flat six out of ten is its average and i can really see what they're saying in there this game has a lot of kind of bs which you know mega man is supposed to be like a hard but fair but this has like a lot of bs i mean in just the first you know couple levels that we were playing through on this i mean it took so many blasts from the regular blaster to even get it to do anything to an enemy. Like we would sit there and you'd be like 10 shots an enemy to kill them. And it just, it was too long. And then there's this whole system of chips. You're, you're the kid, you've got Mega Man as your avatar and you jack in to the system to delete viruses. So of course you've got to have chips that you plug into your Mega Man to give him, 
you know, the ability to use the sword or the ability to shoot a cannon instead of just his regular buster. And those attacks are going to do a lot more damage and be able to get you through these enemies. But as far as we could tell, it seems like they're kind of randomized. You have a certain number of chip options and over the course of playing the, you know, normal side scrolling in the network mode, uh, which is basically all we did. We did not really get to any of the outside mode. I did a little bit actually. Stuff. You, oh, you, you had the ability to buy different like chips and stuff. Chips and stuff. Yeah. So once you're playing through the, the missions, uh, you have a meter up top that fills. And once that meter fills, you can request like a pack of chips and they just kind of come in randomly and you're not really sure what or how many you're going to get. I'm not really sure how your refills of those go because some of them we had like 16 of and some of them we had like two of. So, um, you know, we didn't get a lot of time to really dive into it. But honestly, I think I think it seemed like it was a pretty cool game. Like I, despite the BS in it, I think that it was enough to have held my attention and I can see myself back in 2003 probably being very into this game had I given it the chance. Yeah, I would agree with you on that, man. So six out of 10, I think kind of does this a little disservice. Um, I think it might be more like a seven out of 10 in my mind. It has that Mega Man feel to it. it. I would say some of it's probably because it's Mega Man network transmission. It's not, you know, iconic Mega Man. But it kind of is, right? Well, and, and for an RPG, they have to give you somewhere to grow. So you have to exactly. kind of start off a little nerfed so that you can get better. And if you're a fan of the network or, uh, you know, NT Warrior and all that type stuff, um, or NT, uh, you can, I mean, there's, they literally have like a disc thing on their arm that they pop into chips and like they have those characters play out, right? So it's kind of like that overarching, like, I'm a character controlling a character who controls Mega Man yeah. type of thing. And it's it's really cool. It's and very so, meta. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so the overall like RPG elements, we didn't really get too deep into, but I could see like you can grow Mega Man strength. You have different chips that like sub chips you can add. Uh, obviously, you have the chips that you use that are randomized. So you have your your map, you know, your ability to jack in and out of the, uh, the different worlds or not worlds, but the different levels. And then you have your purchasing option and whatnot. So the RPG elements are there. The platforming elements are still there. It's a beautiful looking game. The voice acting, unless there's a setting that I didn't know of, uh, was in Japanese with subtitles and was really cool. And I enjoyed it, dude. It, it was really fun. So looking at this from a price standpoint, you're seeing 1428 complete in box right now and uh, a peak back in 2014 in December for $17. Game's kind of trending up. And then on a loose area, you were looking at 834 loose with a peak in 2016 for 12 bucks, and that's trending downwards. So people are really wanting their complete in box GameCube games. And the most expensive version is the PAL version at about $27.93. And the cheapest version, of course, is North America. Um, what is different? I mean, it's apparently we have cheap games here. Yep. So, uh, dude, for me, this game. I wonder at... what this goes for in New Zealand. Uh, like, Let us know like, if you're listening from New Zealand. 50 bucks, probably. <laughs> so, uh, no, 27, obviously. Well, it's 27 US. So, if you did a quick conversion rate on that, you're looking at about 40 bucks, I think, roughly, yeah. uh, which close to 50. So, I would say 1428 for a US version complete in box might be a little too low. I would think more in the 15 range uh, for this game would be pretty fair. I mean, and I think it's perfect. I think this is totally worth a pickup. I think that if you watch the cartoon as a kid, if you are looking for something interesting to try out for your GameCube, or you're just a collector of Mega Man, you love Mega Man, you got to have all the Mega Men, and you don't have this man, get it, man. I'm sticking to 15, dude. I think it's a. Uh, I think you can uh, deflate this one. You're calling it deflated. I'm. Uh, I mean, come on, it's so 72 cents more. I would pay that extra dollar. Okay, thank you. So game, I would say, is deflated. Deflated, just barely, but it's there. Just barely, but yeah. So 15 bucks, you wouldn't be doing yourself a disservice, and I think you would have some fun with this game. And if you're a Mega Man fan, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. 
So, uh, next week, we're playing uh, Sonic 3D Blast on the Sega Saturn. And uh, Ryan is going to... And by the way, we'll, we'll jump in this really quick. Ryan's going to watch the uh, I'm going to go Sonic see movie. Sonic movie. John already saw it. In New Zealand. Yeah, I have uh, not seen it yet. So, we'll talk about all things Sonic next week. Dude, the Sonic movie, uh, I really think you're going to enjoy it. Do stay for... There's a mid-scene credits in there that i think you're really gonna like Mm -hmm. if you haven't spoiled it for yourself already no it's a must-see movie i really enjoyed it jim carrey did a pretty good job as dr robotnik and uh uh, next week next uh, week we're gonna talk about all of this stuff oh but i'm so excited about next week we'll get there all right all right all right uh so that is the week goes by fast hopefully yeah because i don't (laughs) want to be at work yeah okay so this is episode 69 of the game of flavors podcast my name's john and I'm Ryan. And uh, we don't do this anymore, but we're the Game Deflators. Woo! All right. Talk to you guys next time.